Welcome to Fright Night Minute, a daily podcast where we discuss the original 1985 horror movie, Fright Night, one minute at a time. I'm Robin. I'm Leonard. And we want to welcome to the show from the other Roddy McDowell appreciation cast, Minute of the Apes, Todd Hartzell and Sean Jackson. Hey, guys. Hello. Yeah, we're, we're super pumped to be here. And I realize as we say, hey, guys, it's like you don't know which one of us that was. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm Sean. No, wait, stop. No, wait, forget it. <laughs> Sean has the lisp. There you go. Uh, let's start with Todd. What's your experience with uh, Fright Night? You know, uh, this came out in 1985, correct? Correct. Yep. This is where I show how old I am. I was graduating high school that year. So finally, I'm I'm one of the younger people on the podcast now. This is awesome. Screw you. (laughs) (laughs) I podcasted in the 90s, man. Flannels. (laughs) (laughs) Or podcasted, graduated. I should say I didn't podcast in the 90s. So you can you can take it to this fact. This came out when I was a senior, and Planet of the Apes came out when I was oh three years old. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I bridged the gap of these two movies pretty well. My experience is basically that I, I you know I remember I worked in a movie theater and I, I came from a small town in Texas called Denison. It had an old movie theater called the Rialto, and I was the projectionist, one of the projectionists, and I actually cut together the film of Fright Night. What? I mean, all the canisters and I put it together. And the first time I saw it was whenever you do a check projection of it and sat and watched it and loved it, loved it right away. Loved Roddy, obviously loved the apes movies and, you know, love him. So that was kind of my experience. And I, the funny thing is, you know, I told you guys when we got on here, I hadn't seen it in all those years. The funny thing is though, I'd seen it six gazillion times being the the projectionist, but I didn't remember crap when I sat down to watch it today. It's like a long drive. You just kind of tuned it out. You remember the beginning at the end of it. And that was it. It's the same as if anybody ever has me on the uh, legend of Greystoke. <laughs> minute, basically, oh, just use that one too. Gotcha. Do you any memorable splice points that you can recall? Not in this one, but you know, if we're really going to get into it because it also touches apes, you know, uh, the, the legend of Greystoke, I, I still have nightmares. I don't know if you remember this about the apes would pick up their hands and put them on each other's hand heads. Uh-huh. I'm uh, for some reason, that's always where the film broke. And I must have had to put that film together so many times with apes doing that, that I still dream about it. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, Sean, do you have any, uh, ape touching moments, uh, from your youth that you want to talk about or, or? Uh, at least I cannot. Uh, they are all under uh, seal, all my ape-touching moments. Um, How about your experience with the movie? <laughs> okay, um, I grew up watching it. I wouldn't have been 13 because uh, I was born in 72. And But my dad always liked horror movies, and so he didn't have any problem showing me stuff like this. I was seeing you know, The Thing and Alien and Aliens and all that kind of stuff when they came out. But I remember my mom called this the movie that has that sexy vampire in it. (laughs) You mean Chris Sarandon, right? Yeah, she was talking about Chris Sarandon, saying he looked sexy. And so I could never get that image out of my mind that my mom thought that man was sexy. And so every time I, like, saw him dancing everything, I'm just thinking my mom going, wow, that's what I want. You should have put Dog Day Afternoon on for her so she could get the flip side of Chris Sarandon. Uh, but I always love the movie. You know, the fact that, uh, you know, Amanda Bierce's character like physically changes into another monster whenever she becomes uh, a, a vampire as well. All that like, evil ad changing, getting right. burned in the forehead, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, and his poor death. Oh, poor evil Ed. Oh. Yeah, they're watching this minute by minute, and the people that are getting to the end, oh, Sean, I'm they sorry. didn't know anybody died. Thanks for blowing it for everybody, Sean. <laughs> there's there's one random person out there, I guarantee, is, is watching it for the first time. He's like, nope, I'll watch it one minute by, at a time. And, That's the uh, person the director's audio commentary for the first time when they watch a movie, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Madness. Well, and, and, and in case anybody out there doesn't know it, the cool thing with uh, Minute of the Apes yeah. is that I'm a huge fan of that. Sean's never seen any of the classic movies. He, he's seen the from I've Tim Burton on. Pieces of oh, the original. Wow. I have seen none of four or five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew bits of one and two, and, but I, yeah, Burton on I've seen. So and I think I'm, we've seen all the, the from the Burton to the new ones. We've seen them together in the yeah. theater. But you know, we're watching it, and we basically have to stop down to to Sean. So believe it or not, there are people participating in the minute by minute thing like Sean that have never seen these movies. So once again, Sean, thanks for fucking it up for everybody. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, but, now, do you? Do you watch the whole thing before you start podcasting about it, or you're literally watching it one minute at a time and then recording it? Well, not to give away how the magic's made, but we do it a week (laughs) at a time here. We do five episodes recorded at one time. But, yeah, I will watch those five minutes, make my notes on it, and that's as far as I go. Wow. I I am am pretty ignorant of how the last 40 minutes still has to go because we've recorded the first hour at this point. Yeah, we're we're (laughs) doing Escape from the Planet of the Apes right now. Oh, yeah, because I keep on having a problem with it because the opening credits tell us Ricardo Montalban's in the movie, and an hour into the movie, he's (laughs) – shown up yet and i am still waiting for him <laughs> whenever i hear the the title escape from the planet of the apes i think of that uh, clutch song the what song there's a clutch song it's no i don't it's, it's escape from the prison planet and uh and towards the end he's like you know escape from the prison planet and then i think towards the end he's like escape from the planet of the apes it's it's a pretty <laughs> cool song Okay, we'll give it up. All right. Uh, thanks. Now I'm going to go rip that song off somewhere. I don't know. It's just something about how it works into a rhythm. Escape from the planet of the apes. It, 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 it all rhymes. Uh, By the way, all your kind listeners, I promise we're going to talk about Fright Night Minute at some point. We're not just going to talk. But, but apes are fun to talk about, too. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is uh, <laughs> Minute 41 of Fright Night. It begins with Charlie alone and ends with Peter slipping into something a bit more comfortable. This minute actually starts with the ending of a previous scene, which is uh, Amy leaving Charlie alone in his room. He's been uh, begging for help this entire movie, and now that Amy's offering, he's just a little anxious about it. He's kind of uncertain all this is going to work out, but he is pretty much helpless. He's got to hope that Amy's going to win Peter over and probably not come off like a crazy person like he did earlier. This is where I thought that there were context means everything, because this honestly was the very split second when I went, oh shit, I don't know what's happening here. Because when I looked at Amy, Charlie's sitting there, and, and when I originally watched him in it, Charlie looks like a badass with all the... <laughs> With the candle budget on with the candle with the candles going with the stakes with the crosses I thought all right he's ready to go slay some vampires and I thought she was looking at him and with a different kind of adoration not the the sweet I love you you've gone crazy adoration (laughs) (laughs) once you actually watch in the context and then suddenly Charlie looks pitiful kudos to you guys for actually sending the whole movie because otherwise I was screwed. Yeah, I, I love his little homemade armory. He's just got fence posts that he's shaving <laughs> or 
Yeah, he just ripped down his fence in the backyard. Is this is he like a Richard Jarvis is like crazy cousin yeah. from Close Encounters, where he rips the crap out of the yard and <laughs> stuff through the, the window, the yeah. sink, and everything? Yeah, I don't know. It means something. Uh, so uh, <laughs> we move over to uh, Peter's apartment. This, this this apartment layout is actually based on uh, the Hollywood courtyard apartments. I guess it's like a like famous okay. apartment. You know, actors would stay in. Yeah, I think that's one of those places where people come in for pilot season or kids yeah. come in with their parents. That's where they stay. They always put them up because they have Is that where Michael there. Jackson put the family? I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. I went to a really bad place. <laughs> wow, that was bad. Anyway. <laughs> hey, you guys beat it. <laughs> anyway, back to our thriller of a movie. Uh, according to uh, his, his eviction notice, Peter actually lives at 745 Coolidge Ave, apartment 654 in Corvallis, Iowa. So, yeah, this is not California. <laughs> Okay, well, you know, it's funny because so I I tried to watch the minute and obviously glean every little detail and and it's one of those minutes that we often talk on on the Apes podcast where it's hey, not a lot actually happens because what you're seeing is you're seeing kind of a regurgitation of that he's been evicted, he's sad, they come into the room. So I was trying to glean the details and damn me if I didn't look right over where he I saw the address and I didn't look at the what estate. address you were just yeah, looking I'm, at I'm, notice. I'm really kind of not good at this minute by minute podcast grooming. <laughs> oh man, you're like three movies in. What are you going to do? <laughs> Shut the internet down. We're actually here today to tell you that Men of the Apes is over. <laughs> oh shoot. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm sure all your listeners will hear it here on the Friday night minute. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're going to send them all here. You know, we've got a lot of them out there that suddenly will be your buddies. So just you hang on. Uh, okay. So, but really, I mean, the thing is, is that poor, poor Peter Vincent. I mean, this this dude is in a place where the world has just crapped on him. Mm-hmm. It's the end, you know, obviously the end of a career, end of all these things. And once again, here are, you know, it, what does he think of when they come to the door? Is he thinking they're just another bunch of teenage leeches that didn't watch the show enough, but now love him? Is that kind of what he's getting at? Remember, you take your favorite characters, run them up a tree, throw you rocks do. at him. That's what they're doing to him as well. But, I mean, it's really a sad little moment. You think of how many of those classic era actors of that era just sort of got... Kind of like Ed Wood or something like that. Well, Kim. yeah. But, you know, it, it's a little bit of a Nora Desmond type thing where the people forgot him. Now he's kind of alone. And, and it's not only you... It, it's always the truth. You lose your job and you get evicted on the same day. At yeah. least that's the way my life has always been. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe the studio was paying for the apartment. I don't know. Well, that's oh, a, that's oh, a, that's I a thought about that. That is a good thing. So, you know, I remember when I was a kid, and this is where I'm probably older than you guys again, but th- I remember some of those type shows like Peter Vincent was a part of because I grew up. Yeah. Where they were hosting the movie of the week or the movie of the day or whatever. Yeah, and I was too young and stupid to understand who the person was, but I, I have those memories of watching somebody introduce these things, and I would then read all the horror ma- movie magazines because I grew up a, a – probably a horror nut before I grew up anything, mm-hmm. just watching this. I don't sleep a lot. I'd stay up. And so Peter Vincent's character always just kind of rang true to me. And, and I, and maybe it's part that it's Roddy, but it's part that too. It's the nostalgia for that type of character is very, very big for me. The faded glory. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause I, we talked about, you know, late night movie shows, but I, I, my parents never let me kind of stay up for those. I'd hear about them, you know, but, <laughs> but, uh, I wish, uh, I wish I, I think I would have probably gotten into more, uh, you know, horror and sci-fi younger if I was able to watch some of these uh, late night shows, but oh well. <laughs> and real quick, have y'all figured out what the uh, baby powder budget is for <laughs> hair yet? Have y'all? 
that code, yeah. I got your, uh, I got some trivia for you then. <laughs> uh, let's see. Makeup, makeup folks weren't a fan of his hair. They liked the look of it when Peter is on the set of his show, but not in real life. They had an idea of uh, inserting a shot of Peter answering the door bald and then running back to pull on a wig, which would explain how fake it looks all the time. They said, quote, it looks like flocking for a Christmas tree. This is the one <laughs> thing the makeup people were not happy about in the film. <laughs> Okay, so that's a fantastic like that, yeah. character piece. Yeah. yeah, and and not only okay, not only is he lost his job, he's a victim, but he's bald and he has a shitty wig. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, I, that would have been a great, great moment. Yeah, damn. Uh, Tom Holland's the director, right? Yeah, yeah. No, he's Spider Man. No, 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 no. So if you guys don't know this, Sean, Sean's been my friend. How long have we been friends now? For twenty seven years. Yeah. I mean, d- oh, dear long friend, I, for Pennywise to come back. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Cool. But Sean will always Sean will We've do it one it of two things. He will either take it back to comic books or to Babylon five. <laughs> and if he <laughs> man, I wish I, I, I never watched Babylon five or else I'd, I'd join in. But uh, yeah, we, we digress. <laughs> but yeah, that's a it's, it's such a crappy looking gray wig that I do wish they would have done something like that. That's a great idea. Yeah, because, I mean, what happens in the next couple of seconds where he's, you know, his house is so quote-unquote dirty that he's picking up a shoe and a jacket, and that's the method he has. Yeah, if you would have saw him struggling to straighten up a hair, you know, fix a cravat or something like that. Yeah. As well, yeah. Instead of, you know, the, the biggest thing in his house, I'm sorry, his apartment, is so dirty that he simply picks up a boot. Yeah, a boot and a jacket and his eviction notice. And, and that's, and that's it. it's like, dude, are you? He is the most fastidious person. That's, but then again, as Cornelius, he's rather fastidious too. Yeah, yeah. I definitely wanted to talk about what we see in around this apartment. Um, is there are, are there any uh, things that are hanging on the walls or or sitting around that that jump out to you guys? Well, I mean, the big thing is that Bella Lugosi type thing that's on the wall. You mean the picture? Yeah, it's Both a picture. Things, yeah. So, and and please, I, I actually had to know this, and I want you guys to tell me. When, when I was watching the entire movie up to this point, and, and this is pulling back the curtain, I've got a 16-year-old kid who runs in here and is going to the local football game right now. And, and in Texas, as you know, football on Friday nights is everything. Oh, yeah. So she's running in here right at that moment. But didn't I see Christopher Lee in a film clip at some point? Yes, it was in a different part of the movie. I can't quite so, remember when. It was definitely on Charlie's TV. So the reason I asked that is, did they were they trying to insinuate that Peter Vincent as an actor participated with Christopher Lee, or was that just a film he was introducing on his show? I think you're thinking of his clip where he's like hammering into a, a vampire's chest and blood's squirting on his face. Yeah, but Christopher Lee is in a clip somewhere, so I didn't know if they were trying to say that Vincent was in the movie know. with Christopher oh, Lee. Oh, I got you. Okay. I, I think that's what they're implying. Yeah. Yeah. I think that they're trying to paint Peter as a, I mean, he, he does kind of affect a British accent in some way, sort of, or just maybe a proper actor's addiction. So I, I kind of got the feeling that maybe he was in some hammer films, hammer yeah. horror or low, budget, obviously schlocky, low budget shit. Yeah. I believe that's well, it. Yeah. That is a hammer horror. And, yeah. And, yeah. And so the reason I ask that is that, you know, Bill Lugosi is a totally different <laughs> level of the, the lexicon of film horror, horror. Actors, yeah. And I thought, if anything, and look, I don't want to smear 
Christopher Lee's lovely career. And I, I grew up loving what he did, but at the same time, I thought how apropos that the, you know, the people that aspire to be Bella Lugosi are these people over here doing these type of things. So that was really, and then as you go along the kind of Nosferatu kind of looking, uh, props, props over to the side, I, I, I thought, I, I don't know if these are from his films or the, the things that he, you know, he himself was a fan who he wanted to be that and he never achieved it. Especially when you're looking at the fact he's lost his job and everything's fallen astray that here he's got all the stuff and hell, if he wanted to sell it, which is even more more sad he could probably sustain himself for a while on it yeah i think you're talking about the one that's in the clear case i'm i'm dying to know what the, it's a ghoulish bald head and white hands right. i'm dying to know where that's from i don't it, know it looks it looks like nosferatu without the front teeth without the rat teeth yeah well of course it takes me back to salem's lot which absolutely scared the complete piss out of me as a oh, kid oh my goodness so uh my history with salem's lot is I remember begging my parents to let me watch it, and my dad saying, "All right, it's a scary movie. It's a scary show. You're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna like it." No, no, I want to watch it. So I'm sitting there, watch it. Scares the absolute shit out of me the first night. My dad, my dad says, "You've got to sleep in your room. We're gonna go to bed." So I wake up in the middle of the night. I sneak into their room so I could sleep next on the floor next to their bed, just so the vampires couldn't get me. And my dad wakes up and steps on me and says, "Okay, you're not watching part two. And I had to beg him so I could watch part two, where they're throwing people on antlers. And cute little kids are flying through <laughs> windows. I lost my shit for a whole week. Yeah. By the way, that was last week that that <laughs> yeah. just happened to. Dad. Yeah, you're now best friends with Len. That's one of his favorites. <laughs> yeah. but, I mean, I think that that's what's so smart about a film like this is that. You know, the art direction to throw those moments in are so evocative to fans like us that you're immediately you're drawn into it because of your memories. And for whatever reason, you know, like the best like the best song in the world that makes you feel one thing, but throws a lyric beneath it that's horribly sad. We feel for Peter at that very moment. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks like, you know, he worked amongst these people like there's stills of of Bella. There's a headshot of Boris Karloff. I believe by the phone, there's a picture of 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 Boris and Bella as well. What do we think that big sort of statue uh, is? Right at the door. Yeah, Yeah. right at the door. Right at the door. Looks like a gargoyle or something. Yeah, and it sort of reminds me of this the statue in, from the beginning with the Exorcist. Oh yeah, I yeah, Zazu or whatever his name was. Right. Uh, the the name of the demon in uh, in uh, the Exorcist. In, in case you didn't realize that podcast listener, that was where I was looking off into the stratosphere trying to figure out what the hell you guys were talking about, and Sean <laughs> trying. To keep me. Well, I, I actually uh, should let you guys know. Uh, I'm so glad you're here for this minute. There is a Planet of the Apes Easter egg in this scene. All right. That's what we're trying to find. So you mentioned to me a while ago when we began talking about that. And I swear to you that I spend a lot of time going, where is the side Roddy? And occasionally, oh, there's his this face that he does with makeup. What was the Easter egg? Yeah, that's it. That's Roddy McDowell. He's from Planet of the Apes. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, so uh, in the room, if you kind of scroll around the scene, you see up uh, there's a cross, a cleaver, and a hunting knife. Yeah, I, I believe that. right near that is a white mask. Oh, okay. Is that supposed to be one of the immune masks? That's one of the life masks that Roddy, that's for Roddy's face for Planet of the Apes. Oh. Let me see, Sean. All right, hang on. I, well, you don't, hang on. I'm trying to see Come if on, I can Sean. I'm waiting on you. <laughs> in a shot where we can actually see it more. Hang on. Yeah, this is a thrilling part of podcast where we're looking at TV stuff. And what, <laughs> well, they're scrolling, up. too, hopefully. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. So where did you find that out? 
there's a few different places I've looked in uh, magazine articles, uh, and, uh, Fright Night Wiki. But yeah, that is, that is awesome. Yeah, from everything I've yeah. ever read about, I mean, it's that little white blur. Yeah, I see that now. Yeah. <laughs> I think it once once they start getting they start talking near it, you get you get a better look at it. Um, yeah, a little further on yeah. in a minute. Yeah. What else? There's a there's a poster for Frankenstein. There's a poster for Son of Doctor Jekyll. There's a few canes by the door, like the standard wolf's head cane, and the then the standard curled brown cane. There's a lot of uh, neat little things to, to discover looking around. Yeah, um, the situation is just absolutely perfect. Yeah, yeah, it's all props that he's kept from movies or gifts that were given to him, stuff right. like that. Yeah, but again, to like make it turn into like kind of a, a a sad moment i mean you look around like all you see are these souvenirs of you know hollywood days gone by uh and now he's about to get evicted there's i don't see any family photos anywhere i don't think he's got any wife or kids or grandkids or see, now you just made this movie really sad and i'm gonna have some tissues and i'm, I'm not cool with that I, I i will cuss and i will do whatever on your podcast but i'm not gonna cry so stop it <laughs> Well, you know, I, I've heard before that I mean, when I did the research on uh, production of apes, I, I know how generous he can be to, towards all facets of the production, that he was one of those type of actors that really ingratiated himself to everyone. So I could see him almost coming in and saying, I want to decorate this and, and make this a part of who the character is. That's, that's, right. interesting. that's an interesting find. Yeah, I I mean, you've heard of the archives, right? The archives that they have, I think it's Boston College. There's tons of archives. And apparently he took, you know, lots of home movies on sets and stuff. And they're all just kind of locked up. <laughs> uh, wow. Roddy uh, donated them. Um, well, and, and I threw this out on the Ace podcast. And Sean, I don't know if you remember this, but there's actually... And this is where I'm going to misspeak. It's either that they give a special award to or there's a special wing of, I think it's a special award to, to on-set photography that's in the name of Roddy McDowell. Because they, oh, and many, documented the yeah, many, the many people kind of almost believe that he sort of created the art of it. You know, they would, they would take behind-the-scenes photos, but they would be lobby cards. Yeah, that'd be for the production, not right. for purpose. And yeah. so that he created a lot of that type of thing. So even the Academy of uh, Motion Picture Arts and Sciences recognizes that. That I mean, the man made just a huge impact on film that I don't think people appreciate often. Him and Jerry, yeah. Yeah, Jerry Lewis too, brother. Uh, you know, here's what if you don't know, this is where Todd's film knowledge we, comes in. We have a radio, TV, film, communication backgrounds on yes. top of everything okay. else. And my. I, I studied film, and I'm I'm a nerd for this kind of thing. But uh, video playback when directors watch that, invented by Jerry Lewis. Mm-hmm. Everybody speaks really highly of Roddy too. Anyone that's if you see uh, documentaries, any, anything that his name is mentioned, everybody really loves him. I had the opportunity to um, talk to Tom Holland, and and uh, that was one of the first things he told me is how sweet of a man Roddy was. You know, I, I, it's funny you said that because I, I, I never had a chance to meet him, but I knew people that had, through our background in radio, mm-hmm. television, film, I knew people that had worked with him and had always heard just the absolute uh, most adorable person on the face of the earth. Right. I've, uh, I've got a quote from him here. Um, 
He's ta- basically he's talking about uh, you know since we're in like Bela Lugosi Boris Karloff territory that you know y- you might know that Peter Vincent is based on Vincent Price and Peter Cushing, but Roddy says that uh, Peter is not in the same league as Price. He says, "quote My part is that of an old ham actor. I mean, a dreadful actor. He had a moderate success in an isolated film here and there, but all very bad product. Basically, he played one character for eight or ten films for which he probably got paid next." To nothing. Unlike stars of horror films who are very good actors and played lots of different roles, such as Peter Lorre and Vincent Price or Boris Karloff, this poor son of a bitch just played the same character all the time, which was awful. Which was awful. So, so one of my things is that I, I'm a musician also, and and musicians' the most dreaded thing is is when I step on stage, you don't want to hear what I'm playing; you want to hear something I did 50 years ago. <laughs> And there's nothing more insulting than we don't care what you want. This is what we need. Yeah. Yeah. Man, but boy, that dials in that character. Yeah. Seriously, I'm, I'm going to cry right now. <laughs> Screw all of you people. <laughs> that, I should say that's from a 1985 interview with Monsterland magazine. He hasn't even awesome. met a vampire yet, and you're already crying for him. Come on. <laughs> I know. He's the heart of this movie. Without him, it wouldn't be the same. I grew up being a Brewster kid, really loving Charlie. And yeah, of course, Peter. But uh, one that actually changes. Charlie comes in believing in vampires, and Peter's the one that is faking it and actually becomes a believer at the end. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He has the biggest arc. Yeah, I, I yeah, he's he's the heart of this observation. That really is. I, you know, we we talk in in apes that for us, Zira is the heart of the entire franchise through the first. Well, you've only seen three, but I think that you know where we are right now. Zira really is the person that drives what you believe and what you think. Mm-hmm. And I never thought of that. Peter Vincent was that exact same thing that zero is to apes. He's the one that faces a big challenge. He's yeah. defeated actually, you know, has his cross crushed and leaves and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, he's the one that changes. God, yeah. I love Peter McDowell. He, uh, he faces, uh, he, he finds out the thing that he's been playing with is actually real and is scared shitless by it. And then, uh, you know, he turns from the cowardly line until he gets his courage and mm-hmm. uh, comes back in the end. <laughs> so, But not in this minute. Not in this minute. No, no. Uh, <laughs> no. In this minute, he sucks. He's a wimp. I, he's been a big, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, Amy and Ed uh, show up. Again, he's not, she does like a double take of like who the heck is knocking at my door bill collectors pranksters you know i'm sure a lot of teenagers find out where he lives and harass him uh, i love when he he opens the door and ed is just like freaking just geeking well, out yeah. <laughs> he's not talking yes <laughs> but he's just he like staring at can't, him. yeah you know it's it's funny to me when i see character actors like the dude that plays evil ed, ed that he is so iconic for this role mm-hmm. But then you think they can't transition it. Now I know he did, he worked further because I you know I did look at, look at his career, but still, I mean he becomes he is this role. Yeah, it's almost like he could never escape well, this it's role. Like, uh, what's his name from uh, Christmas Story? Uh, the the lead oh, man, Peter he, Billingsley. Yeah, eventually yeah. he becomes a producer because that was a role that defined him. But the funny thing is, I mean, you, so in, in filmmaking, all you want is an actor who looks engaged in the moment. And his, you're right, his reaction to when Peter Vincent opens the door is the, holy shit, he's right there. You're right in front of me. And it's, it's beautiful. He, he's great. I think I've, seen, I've had that reaction, like seeing people like Stan Lee. And I'm just like, oh, my God, <laughs> like, that guy is responsible for so much. Uh, but I uh, have that time I'm around Sean. I hey, just look at him and I'm like, oh, my God, you <laughs> 
all this time. I'm just so impressed. <laughs> so, yeah, he tries to blow them off. I mean, he's just got an evict- eviction notice. This is a terrible time. Not He doesn't want to play Peter Vincent Vampire Killer. But uh, Amy says, please, it's very important, and puts her foot in the door before he can close it. And then he decides he changes his mind. So what do you guys think uh, changed his mind? Do you think it was, you know, I, I think it's the sincere brown eyes of Amanda Bierce. But I don't, what, what do you guys think? <laughs> Well, I think so too. I think that you know uh, anyone that's in a moment where they're crushed and they have they're no at their spirit. Lowest, yeah. When someone returns spirit to them, you're almost you almost gravitate to it. You're 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 compelled. You you may be repulsed by it to an extent too, because you're kind of like screw you for having any hope in your life. But <laughs> you have nothing else. And, and she shows 100. percent I think that that for the funny thing about this movie. If I'm going to sit my 16 year old down on it, you know, and make her watch it, and as any teenager would be, she she's enamored by the era I grew up in. And I think that's why something like Stranger Things appeals to kids like of her age like as a kid. because that's what their parents are like. When we were kids, I mean, I watched Happy Days, and that's what my parents are like. It's they, right. they like that. I think when she sees this, her first thing is going to be, oh, it's a little cheesy, it's a little silly. But I think that the truth of it is, number one, it's it's actually really well directed. I mean, the camera choice, the the shot choices, the compositions, the pacing are all beautiful. And his choice to help her have the moment where she's not shrill, she's not desperate, she's just certain that she needs to help this kid that she loves. And I think that that's what he, he, he can't escape it because even in the coming moments, he sees what this crazed fan means to this girl. Yeah. Right. He does the, uh, picks, it's just a random boot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but worse things is, can be found strewn around a, you know, a bachelor pad. <laughs> but, uh, okay. uh, uh, I guess. Uh, well, yeah, I guess, you know, if it's a bachelor pad, they're lucky he was wearing clothes. When he opened the door. <laughs> if I see Roddy McDowell naked, it's a movie over. I'm sorry. I can't actually deal with it. Uh, it Peter Vincent doesn't seem to type to be – he's like a never nude. Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, well, he works to find is like some tea bags around, you know, like <laughs> some dirty tea bags that didn't make their way to the garbage. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. uh, Hugh Hefner coat he's going to pick up, though. Jean jacket, yes. I really – this totally reminds me of The Wizard of Oz, though, when he's getting ready behind behind the curtain there. He's like, oh, hold on. Uh, <laughs> uh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, yeah. Hen, how are you all doing? Yes. <laughs> well, you know, there's a, there's a moment when she comes to the door that is evocative of what we have – come to love so much about Roddy's performance. You can just watch his eyes as he's trying to almost shoo her away mm. and just the look back and forth. And as, as he steps back, Roddy never quits engaging a scene. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. Is always, when it's not his moment, he understands I'm still here and I have to interact. And we've noticed that so many times, Sean, where, you know, uh, Kim Hunter may be taking a moment of zero. He's still a hundred percent scene, Yeah. And I thought here he is with a crack in a door and it's still that, that quality about Roddy that we love. Oh, and I just, I just noticed this as he was getting dressed, he was pulling on a boot. So does that mean that he was walking around the house with just one boot on? <laughs> <laughs> There's that boot. There it is. Yeah. Well, I'm sure he's, you know, gosh, under all the ape makeup, having to express, uh, through that is much like the, the crack in the door. You know? <laughs> it is. You're, you're, I mean, you're exactly right. The, these actors that understand, you know, how to convey thought and emotion when you're not speaking without, and, without saying it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Roddy, man, nails it. Seriously. I, I don't want to watch how green was my Valley because it beat citizen Kane, but I may have to go back and watch it just to see <laughs> if 
he was that good as a kid, too. Yeah. So, yeah, he's wondering if they want an autograph or an interview for their school newspaper. But Amy says this is much more important. And he says, really? And this seems to really get Peter's attention. And that's that's where the minute ends. I do like the fact that, uh, meanwhile, while they're talking, Ed is just staring at all the props around there. He's going right to that Nosferatu display and is looking at it. He, he, he's he got his priorities in order. Oh, well, yeah. Ed, one of us. Yep. yep. <laughs> he's, yeah. every, he's every geek that's watching this movie walking into that moment. Yeah, if you were to walk into Stan Lee's house, you'd spend an hour just staring at the oh, walls. Are you kidding me? Totally. <laughs> so many glass no. cases to look at. <laughs> I would, I'm sorry. If I walk in, I'm going to go and I'm just going to latch myself onto the leg and just make them kind of cart me around like a baby. That- <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I think that's all I have for this one. Do you guys have anything else? No, that's it for me. That pretty much kills it for me, too. All right. Can you let folks know where to find you? So you can find us at uh, Men of the Apes. That's our website. We're out there on Twitter, too, Men of the Apes. Uh, everything is just at Men of the Apes or Men of the Apes. It's daily. We kick it out. Like I said, we're in the middle of Escape from the Planet of the Apes. We're all, I'm not going to say we're sick of Escape from the Planet of the Apes, but we're ready for it to be over. <laughs> Dutch has taken forever because I got in a car wreck and had to have shoulder reconstructive surgery. Sean I'm bought a house houses, that's yeah. being redone. Poor Richard is, uh, if you ever want to see pictures of someone that, it looks kind of like a superhero. The dude works out more than anyone. Uh, and you know, so it's literally, it's been just this huge mash of crap that's gotten in the way. The long and short of it is we're about to get to our, my favorite in the original classics, which is conquest. So just look for us on your favorite podcast, men of the apes. We're out there. We're, we're always going. If you want comics, you can go to zeuscomics.com. <laughs> that's true. Hey, Richard, yeah. Richard owns a comic store. So go to zeuscomics.com. We always try to promote him too. Cool. Cool. Uh, well, as for us, I think it's time we put a stake in this minute. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at Fright Night Men. Send your feedback to Fright Night Minute at gmail.com. And please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, I'm Robin. I'm Lynn. I'm Sean. And I'm Todd. Thanks for listening. Have a fright night, everyone. He's a vampire. A what? <laughs> <laughs> You're so